scary place to be. One of my close high school kids, friends that loved the Lord all through childhood, junior high, but his sophomore of high school, his brother had convinced him to quit being a Christian and enjoy high school and college. And he completely walked away from the Lord and he said, I'm going to give my heart completely to the Lord. But I need to have, you know, some college parties and join a frat. And I just asked him, I said, how do you know? Because salvation is just not you choosing. It is the Lord also inviting you to choose. There is indeed the invitation. And if you can harden your heart once, and then you think you can soften your heart at will at some point in the future, I would not be so prideful, arrogant, presumptuous to think that God will play along with such a game. Nope, I would not play around with your heart being soft at a future date, but I would be greatly concerned about your heart being so hard in the present state. And Lot didn't seem to have a sense of God's horror and his disdain for this place. God is saying, I hate this place. It's a cancer that I'm going to burn out. And Lot is thinking, it's really not that bad. I, I, don't, I don't quite, I mean, I, I understand it's wicked, I, yeah. But, you know, come on, everybody's wicked, aren't they? You know, aren't, doesn't every city have its issues? You know, just because our issue is, is, you know, sexual doesn't mean that the other city is not a bunch of greedy people in their hearts. You know, I can't. He didn't have the same heart as God. And these angels did. And they grab him and they quickly drag him against their will. No doubt not being able to carry any of their suitcases along with them with all their gold and silver and, and uh, whatever else they had. And in verse 17, And it came to pass when they had brought them outside that he said, Escape for your life. Now you use your will to run. Their, their will had been, oh, da, 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 da. We'll get there some point. Maybe not today. I know none of these guys want us to go today. Maybe tomorrow or the next day. We'll get there. But now he's saying it needs to be your passion. We've got you out on the outskirts, but now your passion needs to be engaged for you to get clear of the destruction of this place. And it makes it clear there. Escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. So now they have to muster up the strength and the passion. I'll tell you what. Being lukewarm spiritually is a horrible place. Because one, you have too much of the love of the world to really enjoy the things of God. And you too have too much of God to enjoy the things of the world. But once you decide to no longer be lukewarm, once you decide to no longer be sluggish concerning your faith, you will find that it is the hardest thing ever <laughs> to even take three steps in the way of being on fire again. 
I've been there, unfortunately. And to read the Bible again, to pray again, to go to church and enjoy it, to sing and, and, and feel the joy of, of worship, to have a heart to pray, to have a thirst and a hunger for God, to get back that taste that you once had, it is painful. It is so painful. And so I, I, I can get it. These guys, they don't have a spiritual temperature, even though they're righteous in God's eyes. They don't have spiritual passion. They don't have a hatred for the world. But yet he says, you, you've got to take one step and then two steps. And then it's uphill, climbing a mountain in order for you not to be destroyed by the wickedness of this place and of God's wrath against this place. Well, Lot said to them, Please know, my lords, <laughs> indeed now your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have increased your mercy, which you have shown me by, saying, by saving my life, but I cannot escape to the mountains lest some evil overtake me and I die. I'm a valley boy. And I know people in the valley. And I can go, I have friends that I can stay with. And maybe, you know, I have some investments over in this other city. And, but not the mountains. Oh man, mountain people. Man, they're just not my kind of people. I don't want to go to the mountains. I'm afraid the, the mountains are going to kill me. Interesting where this is heading. Verse 20. See now this city is near even to flee to. And it is a little one. Please let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. It's just a little city. He doesn't want to say what the name is. He doesn't want to say. He, he just, oh, it's a little city. Come on, come on. You can see it's barely a town. What's the big harm? So in verse 21, he, one of the angels said to him, See, I have favored you concerning this thing also, in that I have not overthrown this city which you have spoken. I, they, it was going to be consumed, but I won't consume that city, the outskirts of Sodom and Gomorrah. It, it, it'll stay. Um, I will not overthrow that city. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. 22 important. And it tells us now in the 22, therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. Do you remember that? When Lot, when Abraham said, Lot, go one direction, I'll go the other. And Lot looked down on the valley and he loved that place because it reminded him of where? Egypt. And he wanted to go back to Egypt. His heart was still in Egypt. And he knew it was a wicked place because Zoar in Egypt was a wicked place. But he wanted to go back to this lush green place that reminded him of a very pagan season of his life. But he knew how wicked that place was. Hold your finger there. Just skip over real quick to verse 30. Then Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountains. <laughs> And the two daughters were with him, for he was afraid to dwell in Zoar. And he and his two daughters dwelt in a cave. 
Angels were right, weren't they? Oh, please, let me stay in the valley. Let me go to Zoar. Oh, Zoar. So that, 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 that's some kind of comfort to me. They knew it wouldn't last. They got over to Zoar and they're looking at you going, how is it you're the only guy that survived from Sodom and Gomorrah? Weren't you one of the judges there? Weren't you one of the leaders there? Where's your wife? Where's that? You know, what happened over there? Well, they didn't like this cursed man who should have been dead with the rest of them in their city. And so now his friends weren't friends and he realized, I'm going to die if I stay in Zohar. I got to go hide in the mountains. I can't just go to a mountain village. I got to hide in a cave because we are wanted people and we are afraid that we're going to be killed. Interesting. That verse 22 the angels say, hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 through 11, talking about the rapture of the church and those who have already died, he says, rejoice. Those who have died are already uh, in a, in, in, with the Lord, but we're all together going to get our new bodies but then he makes a clear distinction after that in verse 9 of 1 Thessalonians. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but obtained salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, and rather we wake or asleep, dead or alive, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. The book of Jude, right before verse 24 and 25 that we're going to read, says, hey, some people aren't really living the sanctified life and their very garments are going to smell of their sin when they get raptured. And, 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 you know, you can try to help them. But as far as you, keep yourself in the love of God. But then he says in Jude 124 and 25, now unto him, talking about that generation in the rapture, now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to present you faultless in the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. And then in Second Peter, we've read this, chapter 2, verse 7 through 9, but verse 9 I want to concentrate on, but in verse 7 it says, And he delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked, for that the righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day. Or the old King James says, his righteous soul was vexed every day. I like that better. By seeing and hearing the lawless deeds. In verse 9, then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation or trials. And to reserve the unjust unto punishment for the day of judgment. So here... What they're saying is exactly what the Lord says. That sanctification was finished on the cross. It says in Hebrews 10, 14, God has, through the one sacrifice, perfected forever those who are already sanctified. We are all going to stand in heaven perfect as God is perfect, as righteous as Jesus is righteous, entirely sanctified he finished that on the cross. But right now, we can be a part of that sanctification. 
while we're in these sinful bodies, if we are willing to deny ourselves and take up the cross, if we are willing to crucify our flesh with his passions, desires, if we are willing not to love the things of this world, if we are willing to lose our life in this world, to gain it in life to come, we can be much more fruitful. So there are some Christians right now that are not fruitful at all. They're Christians, but they just don't live a righteous life. Like Lot, we may never be able to point out anything that makes them a Christian, but God knows. On the other hand, there's those who bear much fruit, and the Father prunes us, and we even bear more fruit. That's God's desire. And as we're in this process, joining the Lord, sanctifying ourselves before the Lord, who ascends to the hill of the Lord, those with clean hands and a pure heart. As we come before the Lord daily and, and deny ourselves and crucify our flesh with desires, and, and, and we say, Lord, I want to live holy for you. We have rewards in heaven. That's partly, but more than anything, I just want to love the Lord. I just want to love the Lord with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. When I put my head on the pillow tonight, Lord, did I love you today. James says if we skirt temptation, that there's a crown in heaven for that. That's one of many crowns that God's going to give us. I hope that you just reason thus, that if one died for all, because he loves us so much, that all would die to themselves to live for him. But... God will not bring the tribulation on this earth until all of those Lots and Abrahams and Samsons and Daniels are all with him, safe and secure from harm. Well, going now to verse 23. The sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zoar. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities were what grew on the ground. And the wife looked back behind him and she became a pillar of salt. She looked back longingly, lingering, desiring, Oh, I loved, oh, I, I had such a great kitchen. I just had it remodeled. And there were so many great interior decorators down there. And uh, just loved that place. And she was turned to a pillar of salt. God didn't destroy her with fire and brimstone, but he did destroy her because of that. Well, Abraham goes out to where God was talking to them, looking at Sodom, and, and, and he stood in that place, and he looked down there, and he saw Sodom and Gomorrah, and he saw the smoke uh, coming up from the land there, and it came to pass, when God destroyed the cities of the plain, once again, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt. So Abraham is sort of a picture of Christ, whoever lives to make intercession for us. And it says that as, as Abraham's watching this, that God is 
got his protective hand. Abraham can't see that, of course, but God's got his protective hand on Lot, getting them out of the way because of Abraham's prayer. Guys, I just want to make it clear. God is not some big, sovereign, destined monster. It doesn't matter what your will is. All you guys are just a bunch of puppets. You're sitting here because God willed it. You eat whatever you ate because God destined it a million years ago. That, that is just not a world that we find in the Bible. The Bible makes it clear that our will is as strong as God's will. We can even say to God, no. And the power of your will will stop God in his tracks. It's crazy to think. But believe me, people don't get prayers answered because they don't pray. And the Bible tells us that. You would have had an answered prayer, but you didn't pray. Now, I am not saying that God doesn't at times, in his sovereignty, put his finger on the scale of his plan for this world. I don't care what people do, the Lord is going to rapture the church. I don't care what happens, the tribulation period is going to happen. God has already put his hand on the scale in the past, present, and future on certain things. And the Bible at times will say, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish that. But yet almost all the promises of God are general promises. If you meditate in God's word day and night, then you will prosper in all that you do. But people are often praying and getting upset with God and, and, and he's just like, Oh, reading the Bible is so hard. Yeah, the only reason you feel that is because you're, you're closer to Sodom than you realize. You're, you're not so different from the people there. Well, I'd never be a homosexual. But get out my two daughters. Rape them all night if you want. I don't know which was worse. I mean, I really think what Lot offered was far worse. But yet, positionally, he was righteous, but he did not have the mind or the heart of God. He was not seeking first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness. And so we see that Abraham's intercession, God wants us to say, Abraham's intercession saved Lot's life. That's what he is saying here. Because God remembered Abraham, and because of Abraham, God sent Lot out of the midst. Our prayers matter, guys. That's why the Bible says, pray without ceasing. Why do you think the Bible says that? Because it wants you to be able to float? No, because God's hearing the meditation of our heart. On top of that, we, when we pray according to his will, he hears us, and we have the very thing we ask of him. Meditate in the word day and night. Pray in the spirit. Pray when your mind's unfruitful. Pray when your mind is engaged. Pray, meditate in the word. Pray, meditate in the word. And to see our lives be significant. Well, the rest of this story, you guys know, 
verse 30 to 38, where these two daughters were perverted. They were very perverted girls, probably young teenage girls. And they said, well, we're out here now. It's been a few months. We're stuck in this cave with dad uh, for him, for dad. Dad needs lineage, you know, all the sons-in-laws and daughters and grandkids are all dead. So what we need to do is, I don't think dad will go along with this. Well, not sober anyway. <laughs> Let's get him drunk. And I'm the older sister, so I get to go first. And they molested their dad, not the other way around. These two daughters committed incest, molested their dad. I, I can't understand how perverted and sick that is, how twisted that is. But they didn't seem to have even the slightest problem with it. Number one, they knew our dad's a drunk. <laughs> if we have wine available, he will drink it until he passes out. That's the kind of man Lot was. We know about that. About That's the kind of person he is. And two, once he gets to that point, he, he, he basically is out of control. We can do whatever we want. And that's exactly what they did. And you have two people that God eventually had to destroy, the Moabites and the Ammonites. So the lineage of Lot would eventually be destroyed by their wickedness of trying to destroy Israel. And we see that in the Bible. Well, we're going to go into a time of worship and prayer and stuff, but I do want to answer a couple of questions if there's any questions, whether it's on the text tonight or on any other thing. Is there any questions anybody has? Yes. Yeah. That's a good, that's a very good question, you know. So why did not Lot say, hey, let me go to where Abraham's at? So they were definitely not on the same page, you know. Um, it's, a lot of relatives don't like each other. I sort of got that feeling with Lot and Abraham. I love Uncle Abraham. I just don't want to see him. Um, so that's a good question. We do not know. That would have been a much better choice. Yes. Yeah, why didn't Abraham go check on Lot? Yeah. Yeah. No, and the population of the earth was pretty small back in those days, so, yeah. Wasn't, yeah. Yep, this is it. Last time we see Lot. Last time we see Lot, he's having incest with his daughters in a cave. Yeah, pretty bad stuff. Yes. What about that? that? That was the custom. When you're traveling, the town square was set up in a way that that was the inn, the motel. And uh, you probably had it um, set up for that very reason. So the, the benches that you could sit on there in the day was for strangers to be able to settle down. 
and probably uh, you know different types of food were available there and probably a place to wash your feet or yeah, it was set up for that. It was basically an outside motel. That was the culture. And we'll see that several times through the scripture. So what was normal practice in any other place could not happen, could not exist here because it was so wicked. Yeah. The, yeah. Well, you've you got to have a modern translation. It's the Republican version. But when he sat in the gate of the Sodom, that means he was a political figure. No, there's several men. He could be. He had several different positions. Yes, a judge, mayor, city councilman. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just assuming. You know, he was a righteous man, so he had to be Republican, right? But he was in Sodom and Gomorrah. So he might have been a Democrat. He was on his way to Florida. He just hadn't got there yet. Any other? Yeah. Yeah, it's just, there's only so much of the story that, that the Bible can tell without it getting to be 10,000 pages. So, you know, the question, where did, what happened to Lot's servants and all those employees? And, you know, we, we just have no knowledge of that whatsoever. Yeah. Got to have the director fill in the gaps. Yes. Uh, the Bible says that very plainly. Well, God, God declared him righteous. Okay. I mean, you know, he probably had the same faith in God that Abraham had. But the power of being, and I have a number of verses on here. I didn't go into them night for time's sake, but a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Bad company will corrupt good morals. Um, so the, 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 the cautionary tell of Lot uh, and his wife are that even righteous people that should be living this sanctified righteous life, not just being righteous in God's eyes, but visibly righteous to other people. And that's why it says in, in James 2, that faith without works is dead. It's not saying that you don't go to heaven. It's just saying that you're fruitless. You, you, it, you know, the whole point of God declaring us righteous is that we would live righteous, that we would be a light and a salt and we'd bear good fruit. That's, what, that's the whole point of it. We love God and we love loving God. <laughs> we love his word. We love his people. We love his righteousness. We love his truth. Man, that's freedom. That's, you know... Lot didn't, you know, he's going to be in heaven. The Bible makes it clear to that. He's going to be in heaven. But he's going to have no reward. Just like 1 Corinthians 3, you know, the 
one foundation is laid that stays laid, which is Christ, that, that everybody has, no matter if you're, you live the sanctified life or not, the foundation remains, and your soul will be saved even though you have no reward. But he says how you build on that foundation, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have to go through the fire of judgment, and whatever's left will be rewarded. You'll be rewarded. And, and Jesus said, you want to have great reward in heaven. You do. Yeah. What's that? Yes. Yeah. Put it in the bank. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. And 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 Yeah. Yeah, that's right. If you can talk, you can, but yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think that's where, you know, Calvinism has really damaged people in that they, they got you to think that there's just going to be this overwhelming power of God's spirit that's going to make you do all the righteous stuff because you are righteous. And this is how you know you're truly saved. You have true saving faith. You're overwhelmed by the Spirit, and you're doing all this righteous stuff, and you're like, look at that, I just read the whole Bible, I didn't even know it, you know, I'm just righteous, that's why I do it. And if that's not happening, then you never were saved to begin with. It's just not true. Our will is our will. It's, it's that simple. It's our will. And the freedom of choice, we can do evil with that will, even though we're born-again believers, or we can do righteous with that will. And and if I do righteous today, it does not mean I'm going to do righteous tomorrow. Um, I have to wake up new and fresh one day at a time and, and just say, today, Lord, I, I realize once again, I've got to sing, you know, commit myself unto you, my eyes, my ears. <laughs> I need the, the manna. You know, I need the bread. I won't be strong without it. I need to put on my armor. I need the sword, the word of God. I need the breastplate. I... And Lord, I just, I want to say I'll do all, be all, walk all, love all, smile at all, hug everybody you wanted today. I want to lay my head on the pillow tonight knowing that I walked in righteousness the way you would have had me to. That's, that's what it's, if you're not going to do that, why, why, you know, why? I mean, because it's just anything less than that is miserable. And I've been there and it's a miserable place to be. Yeah. I don't know. No, not that I know. Jesus says, go out in twos. So I guess he sends the angels out, not just the apostles out, but... Or is it like... Yeah, no, no, no. In the gospel story of Jesus' resurrection, there's more than one angel as well. Daniel... Yeah, there was. Yeah, I, I I don't think there's significance of two. Let me just say it that way. There's happened to be. They, they were uh, both playing checkers, and God just said the two of you. Yes. 
The what issue? Faith issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I didn't say say it. I said he was declared righteous by God. You know, I, I don't think the word saved would have applied to him in the Old Testament, but yeah. Yeah. Well, Peter tells us that. We wouldn't have got that from Genesis. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that once saved, always saved is true. I mean, once you believe on the Lord, you know, the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. You didn't. It wasn't of yourself. It wasn't of your works. It wasn't of your past. It wasn't of your present. It wasn't of your future. So my present works can't save me. My future works can't save me. My present works can't unsave me. My future works can't unsave me. My present self can't unsave me. My future self. So things present or things to come. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously things about Lot we don't know. You know, he believed. There was a point where, like Abraham, believed God and it was counted him for righteousness. And the very next thing, that's chapter 15, the very next thing, he's having sex with Hagar and producing Ishmael right after he believed and had faith. You know, it's like, what in the world? And then, you know, we're going to see him next week. Abraham's had this great talk of God and delivers Lot through his intercession. And the next chapter is he's telling some king that his wife is a sister again. You know, so he wasn't, he wasn't a perfectly walking in faith himself. But it gives us courage, you know, it gives us encouragement. that. But yeah, it's... It's fun to, to live the sanctified life. It's fruitful. It's enjoyable. Chuck used to always say you don't have assurance. You know, assurance is a feeling. You know, if, you, if you're walking in sin, you don't have the assurance, the joy. First John says, if your heart condemns you, which it can, our conscience, if we're not walking righteously, our conscience will make our lives miserable. But he says, God's greater than your heart. Just because your heart's condemning you doesn't mean God's condemning you. God's greater than your heart. His grace is greater than your feelings and greater than your sin. Wherever your sin is, his grace abounds more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we are in Sodom. I mean, this is not where we're at, we are living in Sodom and Gomorrah, especially if we're, you know, we're not in San Francisco, but we're, we're in Zoar, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, good is evil, evil is good. And I think maybe we've even gone a step past Sodom and Gomorrah, but we're in those days. Good, good question, guys. Let's just uh, spend a couple of minutes here praying crying out to God. I, I put the communion tonight out if you'd like and come and take communion. And, you know, there's just times. It says, as you come to the table of the Lord as often as you will. And for me, when I come to the table of the Lord, it's, it's a time to 
consecrate myself to God, to say, God, I bear 20-fold or 6-fold. I want to bear 100-fold. Lord, as I take this bread, and, and it's like the woman with the hemorrhage touching the hem of Jesus' garment. Jesus stopped. He was surprised. Virtue went out from him. And he says, who touched me? And they said, everybody, Lord. But then Jesus and everybody in the crowd, it was obvious to all. And he says, woman, it's your faith. So maybe as you take this body of Christ tonight, it's, it's really you saying, God, I want the weights of this world, the sins and the weights, I want to put them off. Give me grace. Maybe it's forgiveness, Lord, just by your blood, I, I come and by your body, I'm healed. Maybe it's a greater prayer life. Maybe it's a, a, a greater passion for the Lord. But as we come, believe him that as you meet Jesus at this table of communion, and then, of course, the blood represents the new covenant where our sin abounds, his grace will abound more, that he is always ever living to make intercessions for us. He's our propitiation and he's our lawyer defending us that we can come daily boldly to the throne of grace, get all the grace and mercy and so rejoice in that cup. Thank you, God, for giving us security when we don't deserve it. <laughs> Thank you for putting your spirit in our hearts as a guarantee when, when we don't deserve it. We know nor things present nor things to come will ever stop your blessings, your goodness, your love, your promises towards me. But Lord, just Ah, your loving kindness and tender mercies just pierce us tonight as you draw us near yourself. Mm.